This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Hello, friends. Welcome back. Today I'll continue this series called As He Leads. In this series, what I do is I turn on the microphone, as I just did, and I pray and ask if the Lord has anything in particular that he would like me to share at this time. I don't have any prepared notes. I have been thinking about it a little bit over the last couple of days, but right now my mind is clear. I don't have any preconceptions or anticipate anything that I'm going to say other than at the end of this episode is when I think I'll talk more specifically about what the Bible says about the different gifts of the Spirit. In particular, this gift that I'm going to hopefully walk in today as I record. A couple of notes before I start in on that. If you have any comments, any questions, if you want to know more about me and my work, if you want to know some more information about the YouTube channel or the music that is on this podcast, the theme music, feel free to visit the website ancientpaths.faith. And if you have any questions or comments or anything like that for me, just send me an email at mike at ancientpaths.faith. Also, just a reminder, you are listening to media right now. And that word media means something that is in between two things. So what sits between two different things is the media. And between you and me right now, is the media of recording. And anytime something flows through media, it changes or it gets altered. This is an important thing to remember when you're looking at a video that's online or listening to a podcast. What you're hearing is a representation of the truth, but it's not what actually happened. Uh, For instance, I've already made a few mistakes and I went back and started again on a sentence or two, but I'll edit out those mistakes Just so when you listen, it'll flow smoothly and my thoughts and ideas will be presented clearly. Uh, But you're not actually hearing what actually happens. For instance, I may sneeze or I may get a phone call. And if that happens, I'll just edit that out. It's not so that I sound perfect. It really is so that you won't be distracted. So that the communication will go well. Also, though, sometimes I edit out things that I say because later I feel that they were a little bit extraneous to the main point of what I'm sharing. And in that case, I have chosen very specifically what you'll hear. And this happens when you watch a movie or a video or listen to any recorded conversations or presentations of any kind. You are perceiving a reality that goes through the perspective of the creator, the creator of that work. So if you're watching a movie, what you see and what you hear, all of that has been chosen specifically for that moment. It's not real life. This is another really good example of why we, as we perceive media, listen or watch things that have been created by others, to have a pretty good understanding of their worldview, because how they view the world, how they think about reality, will very much determine what they want you to see what they want us to see. My worldview very specifically affects the decisions that I make as I record this and edit it and present it to you. 
I've made choices even about the theme music so that when the podcast begins, already there's a sense or a mood or a feeling that I want to convey before I've even started speaking. So let's guard our hearts and let's discern by the Spirit what is true and what is false and what are the worldviews that we're watching because there are a lot of very entertaining movies out there. Uh, they're a lot of fun. And yet they'll contain things in there that are completely ungodly. Almost all of them do. Totally ungodly and sinful. And it can be like putting a bitter poison inside a sweet covering. The sweetness is pleasing, but there's a poison there that'll do damage. So be discerning. Uh, Which leads me to the next point that I'll make here. As I share whatever I feel like the Lord has put on my heart, I submit it to you for your discernment. What I hope will happen in the next 20 or 30 minutes will be that God would impress on my heart in some way a scripture or a word of encouragement, something that would build you up or comfort you or instruct you or encourage you. That's my hope. And yet, I am not the authority here. I'm a postman in that sense. I will deliver a message. It really is up to you to discern, is that of the Lord for you? Of course, something might not be for you, but it may be something that would encourage someone you're speaking to now or you'll talk to in the future that you haven't met yet. So let's just keep our ears open, all of us, for what God is saying and trust him to do what he's going to do by the Spirit. And I'll do my part just in being obedient now. It's been a while since I've done one of these episodes, and that is because I've been praying about it regularly, and only now do I feel released to do another. Up until now, there have been other things, I believe, that have been on God's heart for me to do, and now I'm very thankful that I am released to come back into this again. So, uh, what's going to happen is I'll pray, and then just share whatever God puts on my heart. There may be a very, very long break in real time, maybe a minute or two or three as I pray, and then I'll share. But for the purposes of clarity, I will edit out those long breaks. So you might hear a break of five or ten seconds or something like that. Um, So in that sense, again, you're not really hearing what really happens if you were to sit in the room with me here. That said, I feel like I should just go ahead and pray and see if the Lord has anything for us. And again, I know there are people listening to this pretty soon after I record this, and there may be people listening a few years from now. You know, we just trust that God knows our place. He knows the past, the present, and the future. He's the God of all. He sees all. And he may give me something now that will be quite useful even for myself a few years from now. So we trust him with the timing of it all as well. Okay, well, let me pray. All right, so I have uh, something came on my heart pretty strongly, and it's a bit of a warning for someone who's listening that uh, you know that you have walked off of the path that God has for you. You know that you are no longer walking in the things of God, the things that he's called you to. And you are willfully doing that. Actually, you may be, um, what would I say? You may be uh, deceiving yourself. And this is a wake-up call for you. 
the Lord wants you to know that he understands this and he sees it. And you need to get on that path again. You need to repent and turn back onto the path that God has laid out for you. And um, my sense is that you have chosen this. It's an act of uh, self-gratification in some way. And I have a, a just a real heavy sense in my spirit right now. It's very serious what's going on. The path that you're on doesn't lead to life. It may lead to pleasure or comfort or ease or a sense of just a self gratification, being your essential self, being your true self, but it is not who God has created you to be. It's not who he wants you to be. And so this is a path of destruction, really. And and right now, uh, I just want to warn you, you need to repent. You need to step off of that. You need to turn away from the things that you've embraced so closely. And I encourage you, don't try to change yourself. Just go before the Lord, kneel before him, and ask him to do his work, whatever it takes, in your life. But do it, obviously, do it honestly, truly, not playing games with God. Remember, God does not show favoritism. He doesn't have favorites. Um, In Romans, Paul says, consider the kindness and the severity of God. And um, there's a severity there that you may think that you're avoiding, but God is not happy, but he loves you so much that he wants you to hear me say that to you. You need to repent. You need to turn back. You need to die to yourself. And you know that that's true. That's my sense right now. As I speak, you know that it's true. Um, There's no shame in repentance, but being ashamed can lead us to repentance. Um, And the scripture says that God's kindness leads us to repentance. And it is his kindness to speak the truth to us and to call us to himself. Amen. Okay. Well, that was one thing. Let me see if anything else comes to mind. Okay, so an old hymn came to mind, and it is an old hymn, but it may be familiar to people now as a more contemporary arrangement of that hymn. The name of the hymn is, Oh, the Deep, Deep Love of Jesus. I won't sing it here. It may be familiar to you as you listen. I had to look it up online, so that's one thing I've edited out today. The hymn was written by Samuel Trevor Francis in 1875, and then music was set to it in 1890, which is pretty common that the same lyrics would have different melodies. I want to look at the lyrics. I'm not going to focus on the music itself. I don't have the lyrics memorized, so I had to look them up. So I'm going to read them here, and perhaps it'll be helpful to someone who is listening. As is often the case, when we sing songs, we can sometimes get swept away by the feeling and the sense of it and the music and the flow of it and not really focus on what is actually being said. And I don't know exactly what I'm going to read here, but I'll read it and hope that it encourages you. 
Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless, free, rolling as a mighty ocean in its fullness over me. Underneath me, all around me, is the current of your love, leading onward, leading homeward, to your glorious rest above. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, tis heaven of heavens to me, and it lifts me up to glory, for it lifts me up to thee. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, spread his praise from shore to shore, how he loves us, ever loves us, changes never, nevermore. Now that's good. Amen. Yeah, I don't remember those last few stanzas at all. Or, and a few things come to mind as I read it. And remember, this was written in the 1870s, so there's the continuity of followers of the Lord understanding the depth of his love. And as I was reading, it brought to mind uh, my mother when she was in the last year of her life, maybe the last few months of her life. Her heart was very, very much for the younger people that she had loved so much. And she just wanted people to know that God dearly loves them. And it is his love that motivates his communications to us, his presentation of himself to us. I assume that most who are listening are believers in Jesus, Christians. But there may be some non-believers listening. And this hymn represents this primary aspect of the character of God, the deep, deep love of the Lord, vast, unmeasured, boundless, free. Amen. Another thing I want to mention, and you may not be aware of it, in English, in the King James Version, you'll hear thee and thou and you as a pronoun, and In English, there used to be a formal way to address a person and an informal, familiar way to address a person. The singular form of that second person pronoun was the informal way. Nowadays, we say you, and that'll be singular or plural. But in the old days, to use thee and thou was the informal, familiar way to address a person. And now we think when the Bible talks about God and addresses him as thee or thy or thou, we think it's formal, but it actually isn't. It's the informal, familiar form of that pronoun. You and your, those are the formal, plural versions. And here in the third stanza, it says, The deep love of Jesus is heaven of heavens to me, and this love lifts me up to glory, for it lifts me up to thee. And there's that informal, familiar form of addressing God. He's close. He's a loving father. Well, let me read these lyrics again. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless, free, rolling as a mighty ocean in its fullness over me, underneath me, all around me in the current of your love, leading onward, leading homeward, to your glorious rest above. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, tis heaven of heavens to me, and it lifts me up to glory, for it lifts me up to thee. 
Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. Spread his praise from shore to shore. How he loves us, ever loves us. Changes never, never more. Amen. That's good. Thank you, Lord. Well, we can praise God for those who set these prayers to music, and it can really help us draw closer to him as well. All right, let me see if the Lord has something else for us. Well, very quickly, a familiar scripture came to mind. Those who have been listening to this podcast much at all will know it pretty well. Jeremiah 6.16, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. I won't go into it a lot, but I believe this is a word for someone right now who is at a transition in life. Actually, I imagine quite a few people listening are in some sort of a major milestone or crossroads in life. And based on this jumping into my heart, I encourage you to stop and wait, stand at the crossroads, Look around, assess the situation soberly, not emotionally. Stand at the crossroads, look, and then ask God. Ask God to show you that ancient path. Ask him to show you the good way. Ask him to show you the way that will help you to love him more. The way that will lead you deeper into the eternal life that God is giving you. So stand there, look Assess, don't let your emotions drive you into feeling like you have to make a decision right now. Wait until you have clarity, real clarity and confidence in the will of God. And then walk in it. And you'll have rest. I won't say that you won't have trouble, but you can definitely have rest in the middle of the hardship. This is very often the way of God. He allows us to do real spiritual work. And uh, he wants us to, to make us stronger. And in the middle of it, also to learn how to rest in him so that it's no longer our power, but it is his power at work in us and through us. So stand there, look, ask, and when you have clarity, boldly move into whatever God has for you. Uh, One other thought comes to mind right now. Once you start down that path that God has shown you, don't look back. And don't try to reassess after a few weeks or months. What if I'd taken that other path? What if I'd done that? Don't think that way. It's not helpful at all. As a matter of fact, uh, it can limit you in your ability to move into the things that God has for you. If, If your focus is looking over your shoulder or thinking back to the what ifs of life. We can all be confident that if we have missed the will of God, If we have chosen the wrong way, he is a redeemer. And he is very able to get us right back on the right path if we'll abide in him and submit to him. He has helped millions and millions and millions of people in those circumstances. So our confidence is in him, not in ourselves. And I encourage whoever this is speaking to right now, if it's touching your heart, I want to say to you, Put your confidence in God and in his character, and don't put any confidence in yourself. That's why he's the head and you're not. That's why he's the shepherd and you're just a member of the flock of God. Amen. 
Okay, let's see if we have anything else. Amen. Well, this one, what just came to my mind is pretty much in direct contrast to what I just said. And um, before I share it, I, what I think of is the book of Proverbs, where some of the Proverbs seem to contradict or do contradict one another. And this is what a proverb is. It's a word that is to be used in the right time. Uh, the book of Proverbs is not a series of teachings that must be applied at all times in every situation. It is a series of teachings that speak truth and are applied depending on the circumstance in which you find yourself. So what came to my heart is there's somebody listening right now where I think the Lord is telling you it's time to get up and move. Time to go. You've been sitting still for too long. You've been a little bit lazy in your spiritual life. You have just been, yeah, stationary, sedentary, spiritually. And it's time to move. It's time to get up and go. You've become a little bit too comfortable in your spiritual life. And um, that phrase came to mind, do not kick against the goads, which <laughs> is an old phrase. The goad was the, um, the point of a shepherd's staff. And um, my understanding of it is that shepherds, their staff would have a hook where they could hook the sheep and pull it out of trouble or pull it in the right direction. Or there's a goad where you would be behind the sheep and you just poke it with this goad. And that was a way to get the sheep out of trouble or onto the right path. And the goad would hurt. Nowadays, they have cattle prods, these electric shocks that'll just move a cow in the right direction. And sometimes God will hit us with a goad. Sometimes he'll poke us and it hurts. And that's to get us moving. Get up and get moving. It's dangerous where you are. So that's my word for whoever this applies to. And I, I think, again, I trust that as I share this, you'll know if it's you. God is goading you in a good way because he's a loving shepherd. And he is saying to you, okay, let's go. Time to get up, get moving. Now's the time. You've been sitting long enough. You've been resting. Perhaps you've been healing from some previous trouble, but now is the time to get up and move. Get into it. A couple of things come to mind that may be specific to your circumstance. One is to actively choose to get involved in a Bible study or a small group fellowship. But the word Bible study comes to mind pretty clearly. Instead of sitting back and thinking you can learn it all yourself, which, of course, God can teach you anything at any time. I feel like the Lord is saying now, part of this getting up and getting moving is commit yourself to a Bible study, a fellowship of believers where you can submit yourself and actively pursue him through a study of his word. Amen. Let's see if there's anything else related to that. Yeah, so the other thing is that as you get up and get moving, uh, you're going to be more visible. And you may be the kind of person that doesn't like to be visible, but uh, you shouldn't think about yourself. Don't think about it. Don't be concerned about the fact that you're going to be more visible to the people around you as you get up and get more active in the things that God has for you. Be willing to be seen as you are obedient to what the Lord is calling you into. Amen. Yeah. Even if you're afraid, so what? Who cares? Stop thinking about yourself. I'm not encouraging you to get over your fear. I'm encouraging you to just stop thinking about yourself. 
just die to yourself. Don't even think about it. Amen. Well, let me see if there's anything else maybe that God has for us. All right, so a scripture came to mind, and this is from Philippians chapter 4. The words that came to mind are, be anxious for nothing. I'll read the scripture from the NIV, which words it a little bit differently, but the message, I believe, that God is wanting to communicate to people is, be anxious for nothing. And here in Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything... By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So I believe that's a word for people that are listening now. Be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious about anything. Very often, one of the first things that an angel of the Lord will say to people, or what God says to people, is don't be afraid. (laughs) As a matter of fact, the fearful are often condemned. It's the courageous, the ones who persevere, are the ones that God is rewarding. Some of us, more than others perhaps, have a natural tendency to be anxious, to be fearful. And the word of God for us right now is found here in Philippians as Paul writes to that church, Do not be anxious about anything. And how can we avoid that anxiety? Well, In everything, every part of our lives, as we pray and we ask the Lord, with a thankful heart, we can present our requests to God. And as we surrender to his will, then we have peace, and a peace that goes beyond our understanding, beyond our minds. And that peace can guard us, not only our minds and our thoughts, but also our hearts. So let me read that scripture once again. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, this is me continuing with this scripture. I just feel like it's very appropriate and it's good to be reminded of this. Immediately following that, Paul says, Finally, brethren, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Amen. Okay, well, I feel like that's where I should finish up this part of this episode. And now I want to return to what usually is in the early parts of these episodes. And that's a discussion of what I believe just happened. And um, this is a complicated thing to talk about because these words that I'm about to say mean a lot of different things to different people, and they can trigger folks that have had some bad experiences with uh, spiritual gifts. And as I was thinking about what I would say, like yesterday, I was thinking, what are the different aspects that I might want to bring into this part of the conversation? Uh, One is that this prophetic gift is nothing that's... um, scary or weird or strange. It's actually very normal. I think there are a lot of people that have a prophetic gift and they don't even know that it's a prophetic gift. They wouldn't put that language on it, but they have the gift. Actually, if you're interested in knowing more about this topic, the gift of prophecy, I did a series of episodes starting with episode number 41. 
I think there were three episodes, number 41, 42, 43. You could go back and listen to that series on the prophetic gift just to get a a deeper understanding of how I've come to experience the reality of the spiritual gifts, and in particularly this one. All through the Old Testament, of course, there are people with prophetic gifts. All through the New Testament. In the Gospels, well, Jesus is called the great prophet. And in the book of Acts, the gift of prophecy is mentioned multiple times. Of course, in the epistles, it's there. And as I've said previously, through the first 500 years of the church, in the writings of the church fathers, the prophetic gift was considered a normal part of a church service. And what is that? It simply is what I just did, which is praying and asking if God has a specific word for a specific time, for a specific circumstance, and then giving voice to what God puts on our hearts. That's what the gift of prophecy is. In the Old Testament, it's, a, it's the same gift, but it's handled differently. In the Old Testament, God sent prophets to speak his word to his people. And if a prophet said something that didn't come to pass, he was to be killed. So that's an important teaching that we have to be very careful that we do not take the Lord's name in vain. In the New Testament, it's a little different because the Holy Spirit is given to all of God's people. And therefore, that spirit within us gives us the ability to discern what is of the spirit. And so in the New Testament, and particularly in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul makes it very clear that when a prophet speaks, the prophet shares what is on his heart, and then the people discern, is that a word? And you can read about this in specific in 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14. Well, here I'll read, starting in verse 1 of chapter 14 in 1 Corinthians. Paul says, Follow the way of love, and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a language, or a tongue, it means the same thing, does not speak to men, but to God. So there clearly is a gift of speaking in an unknown language, where a believer would speak and pray in an unknown language, and the people around him don't know exactly what's being said. Continuing in uh, verse 2, Paul says, Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. So that's that gift of tongues. But here Paul clarifies what is this prophetic gift Paul says, everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. And if you remember how I started this episode, that's what I said, that I hoped my words would strengthen people, I hoped my words would encourage people or comfort them. A little bit later in chapter 14, we see that a prophetic word also can be a word of instruction. So this is the prophetic gift A little bit later in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, Paul writes, starting in verse 26, When you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction or a revelation or a tongue or an interpretation. And here's the key. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. And in verse 29, Paul says, Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop, for you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. 
For God is not a God of disorder, but a God of peace. This is why I submit what I'm sharing to you. I submit to your ability to discern. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you have the Spirit within you, then you really should. You have the right and the responsibility to weigh carefully what I say. Of course, we're not in the context of a local fellowship the way that Paul was writing to the church in Corinth. And so I have to be extra careful that I don't presume an authority that I don't have. And you need to be extra careful that you don't presume that I have authority that I don't have. My role is to share what the Lord puts on my heart. Here Paul calls it a revelation. And my purpose is so that you might be instructed or encouraged. I want to do that in a way that is orderly, because our God is not a God of disorder. He's a God of peace. I was speaking to a brother recently, and he comes from a culture where there are many false prophets. And these, usually men who claim to be prophets, demand that their followers do all kinds of strange things. And I'll probably talk about it in a future episode. But he told me, as we were talking about spiritual gifts, he said he saw these false prophets, what he now understands are false prophets, doing all of this strange stuff and manipulating people and asking, demanding money. He said he never wanted the gift of prophecy. He read in the Bible that we should eagerly desire it, but he didn't want it because he didn't want to be like those false prophets that he'd seen. And he'd never seen the gift of prophecy done in a fitting and orderly way. And here the scripture says, the spirit of the prophets are subject to the control of prophets. Everyone should weigh carefully what a prophet says. And this gift should be expressed or used in an orderly way, in a peaceful way. I encourage you, as you hear what I share, to seek the Lord for whatever gift he has for you. And if you know that you have a particular gift, walk in it. Use it for the good of the church. And there are lots of different spiritual gifts. Just here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm looking at it right now, Paul calls this a manifestation of the Spirit. To each person, each one is given a manifestation, an outworking of that inward spirit, and it's given for the common good. And these are messages of wisdom, of knowledge. Some people have a real gift of faith. Some people have a gift of healing. I know people who have really have a gift of healing. A lot of people are healed as they pray for them. Some people have miraculous powers, the gift of prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in other languages, interpreting other languages. Paul also mentions the gift of mercy, the gift of leadership, administration. All of these gifts are given for the common good. And I encourage you to walk in the things that God has for you and be willing to submit to his will and allow his strength to flow through you so that you can share these manifestations of the Spirit with the church for the common good. And finally, I do hope that this has been an encouragement to you. The Lord loves us so much that he is actively, constantly bringing words of encouragement, comfort, and edification to us so that we can live lives that are pleasing to him and also so that we can be the conduit of the blessings of God from him through us to the people around us. Amen. Jesus said to his disciples, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. 
Thank you for listening and God bless you all.